Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, February 26, 2007. How to Answer Questions During a Presentation, Part 2 of 2. Hi, this is Mike, and welcome back to Manager Tools. And if you're a new listener, welcome. Manager Tools is a weekly podcast where we focus each week on specific behaviors, that's the things you can do, that will make you a more effective manager. Also, for the newer listeners, let me also mention our Registered Members podcast. It's completely free to sign up. Registered members get an additional podcast each month as our way of saying thanks. And if you haven't checked them out before, even for our older, longer-term listeners, here's a couple of the topics we've covered in the last uh, several months. How to handle the interview weakness question during interviews. How to handle quick and dirty interviews, like what to do when you need to interview someone now without a lot of time to prepare. Interviewing, how to start off right and impress the interviewer during the introduction. Accomplishments, the relationship between your resume accomplishments and the interview itself. And many others. Check it out. Membership is absolutely free. And now, let's finish up our conversation on answering questions during a presentation. Now, we have, there, there are three more points, which is we have to physically catch that medicine ball. Okay. Now, this is the point where everybody says, yeah, about that medicine ball. First, let's be clear about what a medicine ball is. There are some people who may not know. I remember once we used a baseball analogy or something, and someone wrote us from Sao Paulo, I think, or maybe Rio, and said, I'm sorry, oh, it was the the handshake cast with the baseball bat. And they asked me to find a a similar kind of um, uh, analogy, um, and I could not. The baseball bat was too perfectly weighted. I don't Um, think there's anything else in the world like a medicine ball it's pretty unique yeah 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 let's be clear they range in size from a volleyball to maybe even the basketball even a little bit bigger um they're usually leather though they can come in other covers they weigh about 15 pounds so it doesn't feel like a basketball doesn't look like a basketball it's not light you cannot palm a medicine ball or if you can you should probably be a pro athlete i guess it is not what people would think of as a Swiss ball, those big ones that seem to be popular in fitness commercials in the last few years. The Swiss balls are three or four feet in diameter as opposed to some, you know, a medicine ball being 12 to 15 to 18 inches in diameter. Swiss balls are filled with air and can bounce. A dropped medicine ball just goes thump onto the ground. <laughs> and if it hits your foot, you yeah, will hurt. Yeah, 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 you're definitely going to hurt yourself. Our point with the medicine ball analogy is that even if you've n- never played with one, uh, um, um, you know, based on that description, it's not to be caught lightly. It is heavy. It hits you hard. Um, Even though usually they're soft and they're filled with sand uh, and they have some looseness in their cover, it'll still hit you hard. If you're not paying attention, you will not be able to catch it. It takes both hands. And when you catch it, you will be moved backwards if it's thrown with anything other than a very, very light touch, which is not really possible. Um, that's that's what's important about the analogy. See, um, you've been sharing your podium, so to speak, with your questioner, and in this analogy, you're accepting their question. But the beauty of it is, when they throw something, when they throw you the medicine ball, and you catch it, you're not only accepting their question, you're taking back control of the audience in their mind. By the way, you have to move backwards. So, how does that? How does the analogy translate into things to do? What do you do physically? First thing you do is you stand back up a little bit. Remember, you were leaning forward and lean back as well. 
When you catch that medicine ball, you're going to be moving backwards a little bit. That's what you do when they finish asking their question. Another way of seeing this is to think of yourself stop stepping forward to, uh, uh, to pick up something low to the ground. Um, once you have it, you lift it up while stepping back. Look, we're not suggesting you're going to reach down and touch the floor during your presentation. It's a very subtle movement. Maybe your torso only moves 8 or 12 inches, and you simply rock back on your back foot. Because if you'll remember, you step toward them and your feet are not, the line of the front of your feet are not perpendicular to the line between you and the, and the questioner, between your audience. Um, one foot is noticeably in front of the other one. And so it's a matter of moving back onto your back foot a little bit. Okay? What, do you do with your, what do you do with your hands when you're moving back? Yeah, good. Yeah. You bring your hands up. Remember, their fingers down, so on. You bring your hands back up towards your chest, palms towards you. This is essentially you catching the ball. Um, and regaining control. If the ball had hit you in the chest, you'd be cradling it with both your forearms and your hands. It's, it's, it's more subtle than that. Um, maybe your hands only move a foot. In fact, to go further, you, you might actually choose to clasp your hands in front of your ab- abdomen when you do this. After they've been down pointing at the ground, you just move them up and clasp your hands in, in front of your abdomen um, rather than keeping them to the sides. I've looked at video of myself, and I've seen myself do that. And actually, now I realize what I was doing was I was pretending the ball was one hand, and the ball would go into the other hand while my hands came back. That were They were out in front of me before, and now they're back and pretty close to my abdomen, maybe six inches or so in front of my abdomen. Um, and, and that's essentially what you're doing. You're rocking back and, 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 and catching what amounts to a virtual medicine ball. Um, and it's very powerful people. The questioner absolutely feels like you have the room back. If you stay leaning forward and you don't do this and you start answering the question, the rest of the audience believes you're only answering their question. You're saying that they're the only one who needs the answer, and you're much more likely to engage in dialogue with the person rather than being respectful of your entire audience. And if you have more than 20 people in an audience, having a dialogue with one person is a very bad habit to get into. Mm. Okay. So you've got to take that room back. Uh, even though they never had it, you've just shared it, but now you're taking the podium back, and it's all yours all over again. Good point. It's, it's, it's yours and the rest of the audiences, right? Yes. That's, yeah, that's exactly, the point right. you're... Yeah. You're making here. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, because that's the physical. Now let's verbally catch the medicine ball. Here, that was what you do. Now, here's what you say as you were doing the above. Now, look, first, you may have to repeat the question. Okay. It depends on the venue. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. When in doubt, repeat the question. My rule of thumb is to repeat it with groups of 30 or more. Now, I think there are a lot of people who are saying, gosh, Mark, I never present to a group of 30. I said, well, okay. Probably then you won't be repeating a lot of questions. It's not a hard and fast rule, but 30 helps me think about it. Um, when in doubt, repeat. And, and, and the only reason we're repeating, there's no, no subtle kind of cool message with repeating. It's just so that everybody can hear the question. Um, okay. uh, although I will say when you get really good, you may want to choose to repeat the question as you would like to answer it if it's a contentious one. Hmm. Um, you didn't hear me say that. I think that's a political speech writing yeah, politician. Yeah, okay, sorry, piece sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting here. Notice you're going to repeat the question. So you're going to be talking to everyone because who do we not need to repeat the question to? The person who asked it, right? Yeah, it could be that a question is fairly complex and you may ask them, did I get your question right? 
But I thought about trying to come up with a way to describe that within this podcast, and I just can't do it. We're going to assume the vast majority of questions are fairly straightforward as they are, um, and, and we're, uh, we're, the reason we're repeating it is not for the questioner, but rather for the audience so everybody knows what you're going to be talking about. Okay? Okay. Um, but, but notice, you're going to be talking to everybody else. If you do that, notice the effect on this next step. And the next step is start your eye contact when you answer the question with the questioner. Mm. And so, Why is so, that? Well, first of all, this is the easiest step in the world when you don't repeat the question because you're already looking at them when they're asking the question, right? So if it's a group of eight or ten people around a conference table, this is easy, Okay. You just keep looking at the questioner. If you do repeat the question, you got to come back to the questioner when you start. Um, and that's subtle, but it's one of those highly paid presenter techniques. And the reason is you're sending them a message that you asked the question. So I want, I want you to know that I'm answering you, but you have to respect the fact that I'm in a room filled with other people and they deserve an answer to your question as well. Okay. okay. So, so, okay. So you're going to start your eye contact with the questioner, yes. not necessarily keep it there the entire time you're answering. Exactly right. At okay. this point, the next step is you make eye contact with the rest of the audience as you answer. You start, after you start with your questioner, you give the answer to everyone. Staring at the questioner, as mentioned before, it's, it's, not only da- it, it's dangerous um, um, because of the next point. It, it, it emboldens them to ask more questions, some of which you may not like, and you get into that whole dialogue thing which people will begin to want to put in the parking lot. Um, it is much more likely... If you ask, answer the question directly and only to them, it's much more likely to get into a dialogue with a detractor, somebody who's a detractor of your, your message, than with somebody who's supporter or somebody who's neutral. Supporters are, are not going to overstep trying to help you. They know it's your job to be up there. They don't want to look too partisan and so that their voice afterwards for your idea will have value in the debate. Um, so you, 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 you accept the medicine ball. You... you, thank, you, you, you um, make eye contact with them and you start answering the question and you're looking around everybody else. Um, and while you're looking around, and this is, this is pretty high level, it's hard to do. I don't recommend this be the one thing people try to do if they pick one thing out of this, out of this podcast, is to look for detractors and supporters. It's not easy. What you're looking for are clues to the sense of the audience members on both the individual question, whichever was put to you, and their, their sense of the overall presentation as well. We could cover what to look for, but it'd be about 17 casts, <laughs> so maybe some other time. Um, but there's nothing wrong with starting now to think about that. Um, and he, here, here's where we get into to preparation. If you're extremely well prepared and you know the questions that are going to be coming, most likely, it's easy to be able to deliver them somewhat on autopilot while also paying attention to the feed, facial feedback and body language feedback you get from everybody else in the audience while you're answering a question that is pretty much a softball. Right. Because if you're prepared, every question is a softball. Okay, well, what do you do differently? Let's say you've identified detractors and supporters. How are you going to use that information then to help you in answering the question? Uh, do you have 15 hours? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. Um, but fundamentally, um, you have to be very careful that you don't discriminate between a detractor and a supporter. Um, and you don't, in some cases, we're getting into real subtle politics here. In some cases, you don't want to send a message about where you think somebody is. Um, if it's if it's blatant, it's obvious, that's one thing. Um but genuinely, because you're answering the entire audience, you don't want your, your answer to be too skewed in one direction or the other, or 
the other side of the audience will feel like they're not getting your full attention. And they're, okay. and so that ends up becoming a negative overall in your presentation. Okay. So we're not saying yeah. that you're going to, um, when you give the answer, you're only going to speak to your supporters. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. You're speaking to everybody. Um, and, um, it, um, yeah, you're speaking to everybody. And you try to answer the question. And I actually have a bonus point that I want to make at the end that I've noticed a lot of people mistakenly believe that, that thanks to politics and so on, that somehow we've lost our sense of willingness to be direct. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Okay. Okay, now, how to end. Okay, you've answered the question. It's time to get back to your presentation, probably, at least if everyone will stop interrupting you. How do you, how do you end this rebellious interlude? Yeah, yeah. come on, let's get to it. How do you squash this guy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> squash him like a grape, yes. Um, we usually end with the questioner. That's the first point. It's a nice way to tie up the question and move on. Generally, you're going to do well in answering a question, and you'll want to cement that with the questioner. Coming back to them, you started your eye contact with them on your answer, and you end your answer with eye contact on the questioner. Um, um, it, it, it sends a message to them and to the rest of the audience, uh, the signal that you're not afraid of their question or their response to your answer. Usually. Usually. Okay. <laughs> So let's go over some, some subtleties related to that. Um, if it's an early question and you know you had a positive outcome, whether it was a tough question or not, we ask the questioner, did I answer your question? Early on, if you do well, get the questioner. If they're not a known detractor, to say out loud for everyone else to hear that you did answer their question. I've seen plenty of presentations that went so well in the first 10 minutes that were so distinctly better presented, regardless of the caliber of the idea underlying the presentation, they're so distinctly well presented, no one dared ask a difficult question after that, and that momentum caused it to be a slam dunk, yes, approval, go forward, whatever whatever intent the, uh, the presentation had. Um, it's not to say that you, you, you'll, you'll have a perfect project. There may be issues later. But a presentation is not the only place where we do battle on our work. So if you can win the presentation, win it early and win it big. And therefore, if you feel like you've got, you know, things are going well early and you can get a couple people to agree. Did I answer the question? Yes, you did. Boy, three or four people, if that happens a couple of times, some people later in the presentation, particularly if there's a time issue, won't ask any questions. Right. You're really right. building momentum here. Yeah, exactly. Now, then related to that next step, if you have momentum and if you feel things are going well in the mid to late stages, you don't ask this question because it's just perceived as piling on. Okay. Don't okay. overuse this technique, particularly in the middle and later thirds of your presentation. Now, look, if it's a challenging or difficult question and you nailed the answer or you eliminated the concern, particularly from a detractor, um, ask. This can, in fact, help you regain your momentum and help your supporters rally to you. What if it's a challenging question? But you're not you're you're unsure. You don't know quite whether or not you got it. You nailed it or not. Yeah, don't ask. <laughs> don't ask. <Okay. laughs> Enough said. Because um, you're gonna get nothing but a bad answer back, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, if I felt like I had a good rapport with someone, I've known them for a long time, and they're neutral, 
and I don't feel like I got it right. And I feel like I've got enough time to dig into the question again. I might ask. And I would ask, though, as I say, you know what? I didn't feel great about that. Can, can, can Just help me a little bit. What could I have done better? Or, you know, let me try that again. Or did I get what you needed? And they'll say, well, actually, my concern was more here or there. And you, and you say, yeah, oh, you're right. Let, let me come back to that. Let me make that point again right. for you. Well, if they're neutral or, or if they're a supporter, right? If they're a supporter, they may be actually trying to um, address a question that uh, somebody yeah. they've seen somebody have but hasn't quite vocalized it yet. They're really trying to step in and help you yes, answer the question it, that's yeah. on everybody else's mind. Right. A question that may be very, very negative, they'll ask it in the positive. Uh, yes. And then somebody won't. It, only the, the most bullheaded of detractors will say, well, I'd like to ask that question again with a little bit different spin. Right. Right, right, right. Um, I'm sure there's some people listening to this going right now saying, I did not know all this was going on in the meetings that I have been <laughs> attending. And the answer is, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then, then we go to the whole next level, which is people come to the meeting and they don't ask any questions because they've already told who to ask what questions when in order to make sure their points get included. Now, oh, you're not strategic, political. <laughs> no, no oh, I'm not saying it actually happens. Uh, no, no, I've, no, I've never seen no, it. Have I? No. I've never done it. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> right? no, not you, not you. Uh, what, um, what about uh, okay? What about the serial questioners? You know, the guys that just oh, just God. one after another <laughs> after another after another. Bless their hearts. Um, they won't let you go. Um, they just, yeah. Uh, they want, they're, essentially, they want a dialogue. Uh, and, and some of them, they just have an issue with power, and they, they don't like you being in charge. In fact, I, I'm, you know, I can think of many situations where I was brought in to work with a group, and a, a person senior or junior to, the, to my client manager, my client map person, I mean, just interrupted me every time. Um, they're not even asking questions anymore. They're just interrupting. Um, so look, you, you, if that's the case, you don't end your answer by making eye contact with them, and you certainly don't ask them, did I answer your question? Um, if they're not helping, don't help them not help you. Not only do you not ask if you answered their question, you don't even come back to them. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go further. In that case, you can, you can, depending upon the severity of the situation, Turn your back on them, move away, and quickly say, okay, back to where we were. Okay? If nothing else, when you turn your back on them, they can't choose to make eye contact or just start talking again. They have to get your attention. Now, they may throw all caution to the wind and just talk right over you. And if that's the case, that's the case. And, you know, uh, there's no accounting for a lack of manners. Um, um, but, but be that as it may, if they insist on talking to your back, you have to decide whether to address their issue or put it in the parking lot. Uh, and and uh, hopefully everybody knows what a parking lot is. If they don't, they need to go back and listen to the, the meeting cast. Um, the one thing you don't want to say, and this is where preparation comes in again, you don't want to say, where were we? And don't get me wrong, I've said it a lot of times because you get off track, but if you're well prepared for questions, you deliver them effortlessly, you never lose your place in your presentation. And if you say to an audience, where were we, you embolden the serial questioner who's against you to ask more questions. Hmm. Okay. And now your now your lack of preparation is affecting your ability to deliver your audience what you said you would a certain idea and recommendation or suggestion or briefing or whatever in a certain period of time, and so your lack of preparation makes you ineffective and it affects the audience. And since it's all about the audience, that's not good. So don't say where were we. It's okay. not. I think some people. The reason I mention it is some people think it's cute. It's not. 
it's not cute. Mm-hmm. It's unprofessional. Okay. So there all, we have it's, it. It's all I can do to stop saying, okay, where were we? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> um, you're, you're being too hard on yourself. Okay. One quick bonus point. And, and I, I, we're probably going to come back to this a bunch more as we, we do more casts on, on presentations. Great speakers always answer all questions as directly and as specifically and as narrowly as they possibly can. If you are asked a yes or no question, start your answer with yes or no. Even if the answer seems to contradict your message, it doesn't matter. Hmm. Political speech is not professional speech. Political speech is just that. It's politics. Uh, the, The distrust with so many political figures all across the world today is a function of the fact that they think the audience doesn't notice that they're not answering the question. Okay. In fact, there are politicians nowadays, and the only reason I mention politicians is because that's who people see speaking so often. Okay, uh, there are politicians who refuse to answer yes or no questions. They think they're in a jury room where they don't they don't have to or something. Questions are asked at times to make you look bad, and the answer, in a pure form, will make you look bad. The only way you can hit back is by having the guts to say, you may want to hit me, but it feels like a fly landed on me because I'm going to tell you what I know my weaknesses to be. That will win far more points than dancing around or trying to be clever. So if they say, you know, yes or no, blah, 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 you say yes, and let me explain. Or no, you're right, and here's why. And, and don't, don't feel like you then need to say, okay, now let me explain why that answer doesn't seem to be supporting. You, you just move on because... The fact is, your idea is not going to be implemented purely uh, unless you're a Nobel Prize winner, and probably we don't have any Nobel Prize winners. If we do, please write us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, The fact is, your answer is not perfect. Your project is not perfect. And knowing that and being honest about it increases the audience's perception that you're very confident about it nonetheless. Stop trying to dance around things. You're not as smart as everyone in the audience. You may be smarter than me, but you're not smarter than we. And someone will trip you. And it comes across as fakery, as, as, um, as vaudeville, rather than as um, professionalism. Okay. Good. So Is that four, it? Yeah, four. Yeah, how long have we been going? <laughs> uh, an hour. <laughs> so there are four major points: when you hear the question, physically catching the medicine ball, verbally catching the medicine ball, and then how to end. Let's talk about each one. When you hear the question, you, you make eye contact and smile. You step toward the questioner. You don't do anything else. <laughs> you say yes. You use their name when you can. You raise your eyebrows. You lean forward. You keep your hands down. Fingers pointing mostly down, palms out toward the questioner. You keep smiling throughout the question, nod their head, nod your head, and keep good eye contact. Then you physically catch the medicine ball, and that means standing back up a bit because you were leaning forward, leaning back, bringing your hands back up towards your chest, palms toward you. You've caught the medicine ball physically. Now you got to verbally catch it. You may have to repeat the question, but you're going to start your eye contact with the questioner. You're going to make eye contact with the rest of the audience as you answer. Uh, and when you're doing that, you're looking for detractors and supporters. And then when you end, we usually end with the questioner, usually. If it's an early and positive outcome, we ask, did I answer your question? If you have momentum, things are going well, you don't ask, you don't want to pile on. 
If it's a challenging or difficult question and you did nail it, you want to ask. If it's a challenging question you're unsure, you don't ask. Um, if you've got a serial questioner in front of you, um, don't end with them and certainly don't ask them whether or not you answered their question. Um, and you may need to turn your back on them, move away, and say, okay, back to. But we don't want to say, where were we? And then remember, the, the great answers to every question, no matter how trivial or confrontational, the great answers are direct and specific, whether you believe it's hurting your cause or not. Great. That has a power that overcomes any particular niggling little doubt that someone has about um, a particular point. Super. That was a great summary. Thanks. Good. My pleasure. A lot of great stuff. Yeah, and thank, thank God folks don't have to go do all this at their very next presentation. Pick one or two, work on it, come back, and build slowly. And Yes, if someone does and calls to complain or writes to complain and says, I crashed and burned because I had 45 things in my head, uh, th this is our disclaimer for that. Yeah. Try a couple, get used to them, and then add a couple of more. Okay. Thanks, Great. my friend. Thanks, partner. Great stuff. Well, there you go, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this series helpful and you find something, maybe only one thing, that you can commit to start practicing immediately. Then come back again and work on another suggestion. Don't make the practice of management any harder than it has to be. Start simple, but start now. Until next week, folks, so long. <laughs>